Culture and Psychology with Tabana. A very warm hello to our Radio Bomb.net listeners. Uh, another gathering with Dr. Daniel Rockers, Dr. Alexandrati, and myself from Tabana Organization. Uh, three of us work at Tabana as a board member, and um, as for now, only workers. We do everything um, ourselves. So what we do is uh, working with all the individuals, especially. We care about younger generation um, because we really feel that they're ready to make changes. And what we do is really we are engine and we are cause of the change. So today, um, again, we are uh, recording this live uh, in Dr. Rocker's office, and it's very interesting experience for us because yesterday we were at the office uh, taping, and today as well. So we are hopefully doing a little better than yesterday in my meticulous office. <laughs> Your meticulous <laughs> office that is back, so clean <laughs> um, and so everything in order. And I wish I had just a bit of this cleanness and this meticulousness. Um, and uh, so I want to say a few words in Farsi, as Dr. Rockers always reminded reminds me. شنوندگان عزیز رادیو بامداد من به همراه دو تن از دوستان و همکارانم دکتر دانیل راکرز و دکتر الکساندراده از برنامه زنده داریم در استودیو دکتر راکرز و امروز میخوایم با شما صحبت بکنیم در مورد موارد مختلف روانشناسی که پیش میاد و امیدوارم که اگر صدای ما رو میشنوین از دیگران دعوت کنین که اگه دوست داشته باشن به زبان انگلیسی برنامه ما رو گوش کنن روزهای شنبه و شنبه از ساعت دوازت هایی که بعد از به برنامه ما توجه کنن Alright, uh, today we are going to talk about different sports specifically golf that is very different in different cultures and uh, actually I brought this up As I entered uh, the um, recording office of Dr. Rockers, and I mentioned that yesterday I had a conversation with my sister about the golf um, games. And I was just saying, golf is a serious sport, and I like to get into it eventually, but I don't know much. And my sister was actually saying, is golf a sport? I don't think it's a sport because I always see a bunch of white guys Uh, drinking beer, talking and laughing, and uh, and then they sit in the cart and they go around the uh, golf course. <laughs> they're not even exercising. Then, yeah, they're not exercising. <laughs> Usually they're out of shape. They come back and they drink. And again, I see that uh, they try uh, with their golf course, <laughs> with their, what do you call the that? Clubs. The club, sorry. With the club, they just throw the ball And then they walk a little, and then they get into the car. Throw the and ball. They, they drive the car. white guy. They, they, yeah, they hit the ball. The ball. They, cheating, yeah. <laughs> they, they hit the ball. They don't throw. They, they don't throw at each other. But anyways, no, this is serious. And then, honestly, I was just saying, no, I have friends that they play golf, and they always talk about different styles and how much they're practicing to get better, the angle that they try to move their arms. And then she says, okay, so then they only practice on the half of their body, not the, uh, you know, from waist up, because they're just moving one way. <laughs> 
So I just I I just thought I want to learn about that myself too. So I brought it up, and I like to have this conversation. What, what? And I think even Dan's reaction to the uh, the idea golf is not a sport. Uh, yeah, what was your reaction? What was your response to that, Daniel? Well, I don't remember exactly what I how I did respond. My thinking was, no, it's really actually a very good sport. It's one of the best sports. That was so my thinking. Explain on it. to us why do you think it's one of the best sports? I was talking with somebody on Friday about this, actually, this very thing. And what he said, and this is so true, there are a lot of reasons. I believe there are a whole lot of reasons. But one of the very important reasons that is not evident is that you are in golf, you are your own referee. Hmm. Essentially, you, if you cheat, you're cheating yourself. You know you cheat, but it's up to you to call a play by the rules, that sort of thing. So whether you're playing by yourself or whether you're playing in a foursome or with two other people or one other person, it's still you have to call it yourself. Sometimes if you're in a tournament, other people may call you on your cheating, but if you cheat, you're just cheating yourself. So you are your own referee. In that way, you're, it's a really a game of integrity. Mm. It's generally Very not for somebody else to point the things out, although in tournaments they will have the, the officials who are looking for that sort of thing. Hmm. Very interesting. But that's one of the main things of it. That, and that's the psychological part or ethical part or moral part, I would say. Hmm. And then how about moving your body? Is it really as the other sports helping your body, muscles? Here's, how does that <laughs> I saw online some discussion where somebody says, yeah, I have to be in really good shape to, to play golf. And somebody, like a troll, wrote back, oh, really? Like, how heavy is a golf club? Like, <laughs> <laughs> like how much strength does it take yeah. to lift up a golf club? Yeah. But the reality is that that ballistic swing motion, which is like a ballistic a sudden movement, takes less than a, probably less than a second. I don't even know the right figures. Less than two seconds for sure. Mm. But that is a coordinated movement that involves your legs and your hip and your trunk and your arms and your hands that's a coordinated movement mm. that's and what I was thinking technique technique is so important. there is mm. a lot of technique in it and you can see in the current golfing world as compared to 50 years ago people really focus on getting in shape mm. they know the value of getting in shape some of the increased distance from several years ago is due to different um, clubs but I suspect a lot of the difference, too, is the golfers really pay more attention to getting in shape. It's not so much like um, drinking and smoking and swinging the club. So, Dan, I remember a um, couple of years ago, I mean, when I say a couple of years ago, I have to be more clear, like 20-some years ago. <laughs> <laughs> As, as we get older, <laughs> a couple of years, 20 years, what's the it's difference? Like 20 years. Yeah. No, seriously. It has to be more clear. At that time, I remember there was a um, you know, cover of all these golf um, clubs, a whole bunch of them in one cover, and it was right by the uh, garbage can. So I looked at it, not knowing, you know, why is here. My thinking was, 
after a while, when you work with it, it's not useful anymore. So you throw it away. Is that right? What do you, I'm not following so what you're saying. So a bunch of clubs, golf clubs, right? So the, the, there's one, I don't know how to describe it, but there was a cover, very nice leather cover with all these clubs in it. And it was by the um, garbage can. Uh, or neighbors, somebody had put it there, or I don't know how it happened to be there. But my thinking at that time was, so probably after a while when they play with it, just like, you know, you play tennis with your racket and the racket is not useful anymore, so you throw it away. Mm. So I was thinking, this beautiful piece of cover just by itself seemed expensive to me, but a whole bunch of clubs in that cover and they were by the garbage can. How, did, how does that happen? Well, Is that true with uh, clubs that they get useless after a while? I mean, they're probably useful still, but new technology brings new equipment. People like, a lot of times like to buy new equipment. I mean, it could mm. be that. It could be the, it, if, if it were a man, we could assume many different things. Maybe his wife got angry with him because he's playing golf too much and made him get rid of the clubs. Or maybe he got angry and threw his gloves in the lake and then fished them out and threw them away or something like that. I don't know, but hmm. there's a lot of possible reasons. I feel like I people don't throw away clubs, though, that often. I mean, I That's feel like, interesting. Yeah, I feel like you can give them away, or like especially if it's a whole set. Yeah, like, it's a whole set. It like the irons, which tend to have like a sleeve that go over them. Uh, and you know it, they can still be used. I don't think I've ever seen like a broken club unless I wish I knew you guys and I could show like you that, and you know? maybe mm-hmm. give it to you guys because it was by the garbage can. <laughs> <laughs> it might have been something faulty with it. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, so it was out there for a reason. Maybe somebody, like you said, maybe somebody got in trouble. Who knows? So, yeah. Well, it brings up another point that people do. People throw away clubs all the time, or they throw them in the lake all the time. Oh, really? So that's another point about what is the value of golf. It teaches emotional control mm-hmm. a lot of people get angry and say oh this is a rotten game or mm. so on and so forth but it's really making a statement about them and their mm. inability to control their emotion interesting and along those lines i found like you can't when it comes to like your, your swing you can't rush it you can't try to be forceful with it it's one of those things where you have to kind of pace yourself, kind of steady yourself. I've found the, the, the more I try to hit it and like whack the ball, it's not like baseball. You know, you try to whack it as hard as you can. You're going to end up probably having some problems with it. I think that's very true. So um, <clears throat> I was just thinking, you know, when I was a child and I was growing up with my siblings, we had a lot of different games that we were playing and having different siblings, we didn't need to go anywhere to play. Mostly we were at home and we had a big yard. We were always in the yard playing and we had a big area with lawns and we had made holes and we had clubs. And then I, I don't even remember where we got the clubs, but we were playing in our, in our lawn as a child. And I was, the only thing I remember was trying when we hit the ball to throw it in the hole. That's the only thing I remember from God when I was growing up. <laughs> What's the other game? Uh, is it croquet? Croquet with a, the lawn game where you have those... Little wire hoops. Yeah, those wire hoops. Mm-hmm. Is that croquet? Yes, yeah, and so the wooden mallets. Yeah, yeah. So that's a fun little game, too. I don't know, it just reminded me of that, too. Yeah. Well, if you think about what, what do we get in sport, for, in most sports, it's that sense of competition... It's a sense of trying something out. It is, 
usually fine motor skills and it's also gross motor skills sometimes it's strength a lot of times it's control yeah. it's moderation modulation of emotion and do you always uh, walk to get the ball or someone picks the ball like tennis if you have uh, someone to pick up the balls and give it to you or do you go around and get the balls yourself or do you get to the cart and go around in the golf in the golf so what happens is you hit off of the tee and then wherever your ball lands generally if you're if you're walking you just walk to your ball so a lot of times people will walk but of course sometimes probably more often than not people will take a cart and it does speed up play if you take the cart and then you'll drive your cart to the ball hit the ball and then go to the next person's ball and la- except on some holes which are par 3 holes that they will often say you can't go off the cart path with your cart on that hole so that you just have to stay on the path and then you get out and you walk over to your ball hit it and walk back to the cart get in and go and along those same lines too different clubs are used for different uh, kind of lengths and so when you're starting you'll use certain clubs and they're better for hitting further but then as you get closer to the hole Mm -hmm. you kind of decrease in power Mm -hmm. if you will and different clubs Mm -hmm. are better for that so when you get all the way to the green you're using the putter and like you said going to like fine motor control you know when you're hitting on the green you're not hitting it as hard as you can Uh, otherwise you're going to end up on the green for quite a while it's you're you're trying (laughs) to be precise in not not just the the force but even the angle and so you're having mm-hmm. to look at the ground and mm-hmm. kind of seeing which way it slopes uh so yeah there's a lot of different things that are kind of you're taking into account on every single hit it's not just trying to back to croquet it's like you just don't have one wooden mallet that you're trying to hit this ball mm-hmm. and get across you're using the different clubs to assist you in that so then when the club is lighter is when you're further from the hole, right? I don't know if it weight necessarily. That is, is, that is, it, it is yeah. correct. Yeah. The longest club, the driver, is also the lightest club. Mm-hmm. And the mistake that people make so often, I've made it and just really recently mm-hmm. f- figured it out, is the swing happens more from you turning your body around than using your arms so much Mm -hmm. Mm. it's so easy to think okay i gotta hit this really hard like as if i'm using a hammer Mm. or a bat interesting yeah but really the best the most power is this rotational power Mm. that comes from turning your body and letting your arms then swing the club it's a a rhythm there Mm. really is is clearly a rhythm to it so we are getting to our first break, but when we come back, I'd like to hear from Dr. Andrade and the cultural part of this sport, as I described at the beginning, that how uh, my family were or my sister was talking about the golf. So I like to hear from different culture uh, what they think. شنوندگان عزیز رادیو بامداد اگه صدای ما رو به زبان انگلیسی میشنوین من به همراه دوتن از همکارانم دکتر دانیل راکرز و دکتر الکساندراده امروز در خدمتون هستیم و برنامه روانشناسی رو به زبان انگلیسی صحبت میکنیم ما روزهای شنبه شنبه از ساعت دوازده تا که بعد از ظهر در خدمتون هستیم با همکاران و دوستانم 
در شرکت تبانا و امروز صحبتمون رو شروع کردیم راجع به ورزش گلف و اینکه در برمیگردیم بعد از بریک راجع به اینکه ورزش ها در فرهنگ های مختلف چه نقشی دارن با ما باشید و دعوت کنید از کسانی که ترجیح میدن به زبان انگلیسی گوش بدن به برنامه های ما توجه کنن We're back with Dr. Rockers and Dr. Alexandrade and we continue our conversation about uh, the golf playing and also uh, so far we've been talking about the techniques and what it takes to play golf and then um, I'd like to hear from Dr. Rockers what are the cultural uh, piece into different sports and specifically now that we're talking about golf what would be the cultural aspect uh, in regards to golf? Yeah, I think we could all jump in here in regards to that idea of it being like a, maybe an old white guy sport in that way. I think it's one of the stereotypes. That just thinking of like Tiger Woods uh, is part of the reason why he revolutionized you know golf in that way. Turned it around. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and so uh, I actually play golf, and it's one of those things where a lot of people are like, "Oh, you play golf?" You know, like that's why people play golf. Uh, but uh, I was introduced to golf uh, by my grandmother, uh, who is Latina. And uh, as part of an organization uh, that was called the Aztecs, and, and what they did, it was like a, a golf club of Latinos who would get together and they would play. I remember they even had like shirts and things like that, and they would go to some of the, the, the tournaments. Uh, I remember being at some of the major tournaments, meeting uh, Chichi Rodriguez was a, a person that I met. I got an autograph from him. Um, I, I had to be, I don't know how old I was, maybe 13, 12, 13. But my grandmother wanted me to learn golf uh, she thought it would be good in that way and so there was a youth program and what we did is they we went each week and they would teach us how to play and how to swing and uh, we, we even had a you know a tournament amongst ourselves um, and yeah kind of got introduced to the sport that way so a lot of the people who I first seen play golf were Latinos and so it was great in that way to be able to be introduced to that and it, and it allowed a connection uh, for me and my grandmother to be able to play golf together over the years. Um, it has been something too, I've always heard of golf in this way of being 
a great way to socialize and, and, and network. Uh, I know Daniel and I have played golf before uh, with a, a friend of yours, I remember. Uh, we've gone to the driving range together. Uh, it's something that I've found is, is a great way to connect unlike other, you know, sports too. Uh, I've, I've been guilty, I should admit, I've been guilty of the drinking and playing golf and so uh yeah i've uh you know 18 holes typically if you're playing the full course um there's been times where i've had to stop after you know 12 or 13 because at that point you can't hit the ball anymore and you're just not even about uh you know trying to win you're just like yeah i think we're just drinking today i think that's all we're doing which could be any sport you can really kind of i mean you can you know they have softball and people will drink in between uh uh you know, innings, I'm pretty sure by the seventh or eighth inning, you know, you're, you're not playing baseball anymore. You're just there to drink. And so uh, golf has been great in that way, I think mostly because, I, again, it allowed me to connect with my grandmother, uh, but also to see that, you know, it, it doesn't have to be a, a sport that's dominated by one culture. Uh, and that, that idea sometimes, I think, could be very dangerous and risky if we say, no, that's only for this group or you can't do this. Um, it's a that, stereotype. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think it really limits you and, and takes away what you can possibly learn. I feel like it's been a point of connection for me and you, Daniel, in that way. I mean, we even did the study. Yeah, we did the study you could talk about, too, uh, in regards to, uh, you know, golf that allowed us to, you know, build a greater connection, I think. We even traveled across the country right. to, to be able to present on it. And so, uh, yeah, I think those are things that otherwise, you know, I, I wouldn't have in my life. So uh, I'm grateful for it in that way. And it is one of those things. I, I do need to get back to it. It's been a while. I think last time I went was with you, and that was a while ago. We went to the wow. driving range. Yeah. So I'm rusty. I got to always say I got to find my swing again. I got to go to the range and uh, practice. But yeah, I, I don't think of it as a, a white sport. I can see how that is the notion a lot of times. And uh, it's one of those things where, you know, looking for, I think even probably more now, looking for those groups or clubs or organizations uh, of different racial and ethnic groups or even just a you know, mix of individuals who want to connect um, can maybe help your sister. I, I love that you mentioned it was your sister, too, rather than just saying some person. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> put her out there a little yeah, bit. Yeah, actually, I think it's good because, mm-hmm. um, you know, especially now that I'm reading Dr. Yalom's book, mm-hmm. I always appreciate him talking about his feelings and what happens with him mm-hmm. and yeah. sharing that makes it so much relative to mm-hmm. being a real human mm-hmm. you know we all go through that and i really appreciate sometimes he talks about his feelings towards his patients mm-hmm. you know and describes them the way he really feels yeah. and um it's so interesting and it's all about Connor france and um uh, trans and counter trans trans so uh yeah and then also i was gonna say uh, there's some sports in different cultures like baseball um softball or golf i don't see that many iranian playing those games and um i don't know uh, maybe there are i'm sure there are in any culture because i know some of my relatives play golf my son plays golf but uh, there are some sports that specifically some cultures they're not so much into it from childhood because you usually are introduced uh, to sports from childhood and you mm-hmm. pick it from there or you go watch the games or but um i haven't been we had some i'm sure some golf clubs we had some miniature golf for kids but it's not so 
common that people play it. So it's interesting when you talked about culture. You know what I'm wondering if it's a part of it too, even thinking like geographically, you need a lot of space in order to play golf. Like a golf course, mm-hmm. like I said, nine is, is half, 18 is a full course. I mean, how many acres would you say that is, Dan? I mean, it's huge. I yeah. should know. I do not no, know. I, 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 my, my, yeah, no, but my point is, like, if you're in a country maybe that doesn't have a lot of, you know, space to kind of, you know, allocate for a sport such as that. That's a very know, good point. Yeah, you can't do it. Basketball, you know, you can play basketball, what, 20 mm-hmm. by 20 and, you know, get a bucket and use that as the hoop, you know, where if it's a, in a country that maybe doesn't have those resources to, or have the, the means to allocate those resources for as much space as golf takes. Uh, outdoor the, space. Outdoor space, yes, thanks. And That's uh, a very, you know. very good point. Yeah, because like, for example, when I think of Tehran, where I grew up, mm-hmm. it's more like San Francisco. Mm-hmm. It's so congested, uh, you know, or like Mexico City, mm-hmm. you know, it's very congested. And I can't imagine even having such a big uh, piece of land to do this sport. Those are all uh, points when it comes to some of the cultural part, also the geographical or the space. Very true. You know, not to be missed also is this idea of it's an outdoor sport. Mm -hmm. It is Mm -hmm. not played indoors and experienced a great resurgence during COVID Mm -hmm. because of that. This is one of the few sports that really was encouraged. I know it irritated a lot of people that... Mm -hmm people be out on the golf course Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah because this was happening a lot early on Mm -hmm. in the covid thing where some righteous people were saying oh they shouldn't be out there doing that they're because you can social distance yeah you can social distance Mm -hmm. while playing golf right people should not be having fun while we're yeah worrying about covid Yeah. yeah interesting and and now even that brought me to the point that now many gatherings are happening in the park a uh, couple of weeks ago, one of our friends invited us to lunch, and I thought it's in their homes, but she said, no, it's in the park close to their home. They cook, they brought the food to the park, and then they had invited people, um, and, and the park was very close to their home. And I really enjoyed it, but for me, going to park before was either you had a a meeting or you want to go for a walk or you just wanted to um, enjoy uh, just you know for a short walk or something but and then even if you had gathering it was with your family or you know just a few friends but now some of the invitation to a lunch uh, usually is in the park and I saw many groups of uh, people that they were together for uh, you know, the lunch at People the park. still being careful about everything. And I think we should be, because here and there you hear some news. I don't know how much it's uh, accurate or how much we have to be careful, but because we still don't know, we still, this is new, um, you know, and still we know in many parts of the world there are um, not fully, they're not uh, vaccinated, And we don't know whether the international airports still are open to all the countries. Are there still limitations? We don't know these things. So being careful is always good, especially after such a big event. Right. Plus, we don't know about the COVID thing. We don't know really how did it come about. We don't know about the outbreaks of it and what future outbreaks of it. It's like there's Ebola virus or Zika virus. 
Zika kind of receded, and nobody really, as far as I know, we don't really know, well, why did that recede? Why mm-hmm. did it show up in the first place, and what is that? Mm-hmm. So probably we'll need to be on guard going forward. I, but then talking about, uh, again, back to COVID and talking about vaccination, I don't know if you kn- you know this, but many, many people are now traveling inside the United States we wanted to go to Napa. We had a very hard time to make reservations. Every place and restaurants that I knew, I uh, first of all, you call and there's no live person. Everything is online. Everything, Every reservation is go to our website because I think the staffing is now different. You hardly get mm-hmm. someone online as a live person. So that was the first hard time I had with reservations because I wanted to have a live person but then when I was going to online and checking the reservation part it was full everywhere the restaurants were full so I'm just saying from my experience everywhere people are traveling inside and when I talk to my friends or I talk to my colleagues or co-workers they always say you know, I'm going to this place, we're going to that place. Everybody has left all this traveling to now, but also what I hear is inside the United States, nowhere else. They're going to Oregon, they're going to Montana, they're going to um, Washington um, State. I mean, just from the uh, socializing pieces that it is in my life, everyone is talking about traveling inside the United States. I haven't heard anybody going anywhere but in the United States. And that was very interesting to me because even my family, whenever we are talking about getting together or meeting somewhere, it's only in in the United States. Mm, Interesting. But before we were traveling outside of the United States, going to Europe, last year we had planned to go to Europe, but everything seems canceled. And when you talk to people, they're still not comfortable traveling outside states. Which probably is why the sport thing back here has had some resurgence. What sport can we do? What's fun? How can we get together somewhat socially? I was I was going to mention that too. That there is a, a big kind of um, social component to golf. Recently, I don't know if you've heard of Top Golf. Yes. Yeah, it's this like a bar restaurant slash golf Mm. uh, technology there's a technology piece to it too it's like a driving range basically but it's it's meant to like socialize and uh, i've done it a couple times it's pretty fun it's 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 like feels like bowling but you're playing golf oh that's a great Mm. analogy it Mm. is and it's several levels Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah and Mm -hmm. so then you can hit the ball each ball has a little microchip in it so you can hit the ball and you know how far it went and where it landed yeah so you can do like target practice, mm-hmm. and I've seen they have advertisements now where they will have contests. Oh, really? Okay. That you can go and enter in. And I think it's made it accessible to people. Like, okay, I don't play golf, but like, let's you know, people don't say, "Oh, I'm I'm, I'm not a bowler," but they go bowling, and so it's one of those mm-hmm. things with golf. Now it's like, oh, let's go and we'll see how far mm-hmm. I can hit it, and mm-hmm. you know, eat some food and and kind of catch up in that way. So it's one of those things where it doesn't have to feel so professional. Uh, it's something you have to commit to. I mean, in golf, typically you have to buy. The clubs, which can be really expensive, uh, you know, mm, it's a skill you have to build. Uh, there you go. You know, it's like a bowling ball. You pick one, mm. and you throw it, and you see what happens. And so, yeah, I think it's one of those <laughs> things where uh, it's nice to be able to have that, where it, it takes some of the mystery out of, mm. like, uh, you know, and mm-hmm. even the skill behind it. 
um, I've gone with uh, family and it's fun because I know how to play golf. And so one, I get to show off a little bit and show how far I can hit. But then also <laughs> two, we can see who is, you know, kind of natural at it. You know, they're like, oh, oh yeah, I'm actually pretty nice. good. I didn't know that. And so it, it's one way to introduce people to it. So yeah. that's great. So now I can just take that apprehension from golf aside and go maybe for it. Yeah. And worst case scenario, you have some food and some drinks yeah. and then, yeah, you still have a good <laughs> that time. That would be great. So, yeah. It would be actually great for a retreat meant to go to one of these places seriously and then just try it because i know you guys have played mm-hmm. i have played when i was a child mm-hmm. and and it was just making sure we throw uh, the ball in the mm-hmm. hole that was the only thing i remember we were focusing we could even as we go further on is just take the equipment and do our broadcast <gasps> that yeah. would be an interesting thing to be, be outside. Kind of <laughs> I think we'd be that we'd probably have to edit that broadcast for cussing and yelling. And so uh, again, you're not supposed to get mad when you play, but I'm not saying I don't. I That's what I was talking. Just don't do that. I was yeah. talking about this earlier. It's yeah. emotional control. You learn emotional control yeah. or not. Yeah, we yeah. should probably take a break here. Uh, sure. Yes, we're gonna give another break. We're back with Dr. Daniel Rockers and Dr. Alexandradi, uh, and I'm Saide Malik Afzali. We are sitting actually together face to face. So, this is something that I remember, Dan, from you that you always make sure you call people by <laughs> doctor. <laughs> what is it behind that? Is it giving them. Um, uh, what they deserve because after working hard to it's get two, this degree yeah it's two things one is it's uh, acknowledging the hard work that they put through to become a doctor and the second is sort of a connection sort of a fun yeah. connection with you put the emphasis in there a little bit but. I have a story about this uh, one of the ladies in uh, Persian community actually was telling me a story about uh, the ticket because she works at the a travel agency and she said a gentleman came to me and said change this name to doctor so and so because my son is a doctor 
And she was very surprised because she said, wow, some people care so much about their title, the doctor. And immediately I said, you know what, probably that father wanted to acknowledge his son's hard work and wanted on that ticket, the, the envelope, to say doctor so-and-so. So two things happened at that time. One was the judgment that person had. Right. That's that was not the first to be missed. Thing. Yeah. And then the second was immediately the counter-transference. It was like, I worked so hard to get my doctoral degree. So sometimes... It just is acknowledgement for all the hard work you have done. It's not because you're bragging about your doctoral degree. But the, the, the part that surprised me was, how come that person wasn't even think about that father who cared so much about his son to make sure that title of doctor is on the envelope, on the ticket for him? Right. Her annoyance does speak something about her. Mm. I'll tell you where I got this from. I believe this is where I got this from. When I worked at UC Davis Med Center and I did my internship in psychiatry. And I can remember after actually completing my PhD, getting the, getting the degree, and then at our next the meeting the next week, our department meeting, as I walked in, I remember it was uh, Dr. Paul Cox. He's a psychiatrist. And he stood up and he says, welcome, Dr. Rockers. Mm. Made a very specific point, Dr. Mm -hmm. Rockers, Mm -hmm. which just felt so good. It was that acknowledgement. Mm -hmm. So I think it's important for us to do that for each other. And the only people who do that, they're the ones that you have gone through this. Because Mm -hmm. when I was working as an administrator at the district, uh, two of the people in the management field uh, had doctoral degrees. So when I walked into the management meeting at the door, one of these people who has also a doctorate degree um, just uh, shook my hand and I said, congratulations, Dr. Malik Afzali. Mm-hmm. And I thought, how do you know? She goes, yes, I heard you just defended your doctoral um, de- de- dissertation. And I just heard it was successful. You send a text to one of the colleagues and I just wanted to congratulate you. And then when he went to the presentation, he first said, I want everyone to celebrate Saida's doctoral degree. Nice. And everyone clapped and I was so sort of embarrassed but also appreciated that feeling of, because she knew what you go through to get to that level. That is nice. So that was very nice. Yeah. That, that reminds me, I wanted to share my dad. We, we have a very joking, kind of playful banter with my, my parents and my siblings. And so we'll joke and we call each other like fool or bum and things like that. <laughs> and so my dad one time, as I after I got my doctorate, um, he, he would say, he said one time, he said, you know what? I'm not going to call you bum anymore. He's like, I joke, hey, you bum, you're a bum. He said, because I don't want your nieces and nephews to think you're a bum. He's like, so I'm just going to call you Dr. J because I'm a junior. So my, yeah. my family refers to me as J. So now he kind of endearingly calls it hey, Dr. J, Dr. J. <laughs> um, and it was one of those things I never took offense to him calling me a bum. It was just like one of those things yeah. where you joke, oh, you're a bum. But uh, when he, he, he noticed the, the impact that it can have, especially when I lived out of state, 
you know, they, the kids didn't know who I was as, as, as intimately and, you know, what I was doing. And so, oh, Uncle Jay's a bum. And it's like, well, you know, and again, I can definitely recognize that's a derogatory term towards individuals who are homeless or experiencing homelessness, but he, he meant it in a playful way. And he, he realized, you know, kids, you know, they can be very impressionable and they may just hear that as, you know, Uncle Jay doesn't do mm. anything. Uncle Jay doesn't have a job. Mm-hmm. And he said, I want to make sure that they know you're a doctor and mm. all the hard work you've done. That is done. sweet. So yeah. you're Dr. Jay? Uh, Uncle Jay? Uh, Uncle slash Dr. Jay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So and then that's why I'm very, we talked about names before. That's why I'm very particular when I have my name to have Junior at the end because my nieces and nephews, they don't know me as Alex. They don't know me yeah. as Dr. Andrade, but they do know, to, you know, Uncle Jay and Dr. J. So yeah, it's nice in that way. One of my uncles um, was a professor in the university and teaching um, literature. So he was a doctoral of um, Persian literature. And his knowledge was vast in um, just literature of the world, probably, and specifically a Persian culture. And all the children in the family were calling him uncle the uncle that is doctor you know <laughs> my doctor uncle or my uncle who's a doctor and i never forget that and i always thought this is really weird that when you call your dog your uncle but now i understand you know probably the father or someone in the family through that and the children learned that Doctor, uncle, uncle, yeah. doctor, or, or uncle, doctor, <laughs> <laughs> and, re- and related to that, my my dad actually works at a golf course. Uh, he works for the county. He works at a golf course, and so it's one of those things too where. He probably hates golf actually more now because of it, uh, just because people are so you know uh, particular about you know the, you know golf in that way, and so he bears the brunt of it. But they might be meticulous about. They it. might be meticulous, yeah. But it's also one of those things too. It's it's even more normalized, I think, in in the sense of for for my family, it's like people play golf. It's not you know something that just old rich white people do. It's something that everybody does. And so, uh, and I know me and him have been talking about needing to go out. I feel like I end up talking about playing golf way more than I actually play. Uh, <laughs> and, and so but you know a lot about golf. Yeah, I mean, I've like played. It's played a long like, time. Like I said, yeah, yeah, since I was like 12 or 13. And uh, it's one of the, when I was in grad school even too, and, and anyone who's been in grad school knows that, you know, you, you don't have a lot of funds and financially you're struggling. But I, I remember even then at one point, you know, shelling out, you know, a few hundred dollars, which was like thousands at that point to me, uh, to, to buy some golf clubs, to buy, you know, a driver mm. and a putter just so I could at least do that because it was, it was one of those things where back to the benefits of, you mm. know, golf, it was a release. It was, you know, a, a way to, you know, decompress from what school was. Um, and it was great to get out there, you know, when I could, uh, you know, even in Chicago, there's some great, uh, uh driving ranges right alongside the, the lake over there. Um, and so, yeah, it's one of those things that helps you de-stress. It's, uh, you know, it, it can be competitive as well, but it, like you said, I, I like the idea too. I've always thought of golf as the integrity piece. I never thought about it in that way, but I think you're completely right, Daniel. But I also thought of it as like, you're playing yourself. You're your biggest, you know, comp- uh, uh, you know, um, competitor when it comes to golf, because if you're too emotional, then you're going to play poorly. If you know, you're, you're not focusing on your technique, you can perform poorly. Um, you make the difference. Nobody else really affects how you play the game. Mm, that is the interesting part. So it's very individualized when it comes to competition, you're competing against yourself. Essentially you mm-hmm. are. So what other, would you say tennis is also known as a white sport? I don't know how to play tennis. <laughs> 
So yes. <laughs> this is great. This is this is a great opener this on stereotyping. This is how we uh, determine it. Yeah, <laughs> right. Now, I played baseball for years, and so it's one experience. of those things. When I try to play golf, I or, or when I try to play tennis, I swing it like a baseball bat, which you're not oh. supposed to do in tennis. I know that much about it. Um, but yeah, it's one of those things where you know each sport can be. I mean, we look at you know Venus and Serena Williams. You know they're. Pivotal, pivotal in, in in the golf in the game of uh, tennis, uh, and so yeah, I don't I don't know if that applies anymore. Actually, now they say it out loud, you know, I don't think there's white well, sports anymore mm, or black sports. Yeah, or, I mean, no, I'm just saying maybe no, 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 I know. known as you know, but what I, I mean? yeah, like I think golf, you're right. Yeah. yeah, I think people think of it that yeah. way, and I think it can be yeah, kind of limiting, and and that's why the one the one sport along those lines, hockey. I don't know if if that's oh, been yeah, one that yeah. people have broken into. Yeah. I think it's thought of as stereotypically white mm. in that way i mean golf you know tennis what other ones stereotypically white but we're trying to get away from that i think yeah hopefully i i mean my sense about the thing is is that it's hard to get away from racism when there is such pure focus on race mm. and it ends up being if if that's all i can think of then that's all I can see. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I would say that's the, the, the tricky part about racism. You want to talk about it because it's problematic and it can have such a negative and detrimental impact on people's life. But at what point does it become so in focus that it disconnects you from those other aspects, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. qualities that other people have? And so it, it's one of those things where, and again, I think this is definitely a, you know, a topic we should go on to at another point more fully, it's the danger of just focusing on one's own racial ethnic identity uh, mm-hmm. too much. I think we have to unite, which I think is important, but we also have to transcend that to be able to come together as individuals mm-hmm. while we have those differences as well. Because then otherwise we're just segregating our mothers, which can be very dangerous, very problematic. It becomes more of the same. Yeah, yeah unfortunately. And stereotypes are so into each person's mind Mm -hmm. that is so hard to get it out Mm -hmm. you know the stereotypical that we face all the time and you have to always remind yourself even that oh this is a judgment this is a bias this is a stereotyped type uh, thinking you know you have to always remind yourself well it has to do also i think not to be missed is it has to do with how the human mind works Mm -hmm. in terms of grouping things Mm -hmm. that that is some of how the mind is set up to categorize things and it's not good it's not bad Mm -hmm. it just is this is how the mind works to categorize and then it helps me i don't have to keep making brand new Mm -hmm. decisions go through a decision tree all the time so it's a built-in piece and a lot of times it functions well right Mm -hmm. i see a snake I'm going to go the other way, mm-hmm. or I crash on the bike trail. <laughs> right? Like we talked about that, that. sort of yeah. a thing. Anyway, or, or like you were saying with like you know the, the heuristics of you know I see a chair. We don't have to have a space in our brain for mm-hmm. every single type of chair. You know we can categorize in that way. But when it comes to people and it comes to generalizations or stereotypes about people, you know, and there's not room for individuality there's not room for you know again maybe being closed off as we were saying earlier for able to see those individuals so yeah and and again with i think 
historically those things have been maybe true uh, in the sense of like going back to sports you know maybe the the sport was dominated primarily by you know white but that doesn't have to remain true in that way it can transcend that and we can say it is a sport that was maybe at the point not, not even golf just a sport, certain sports in general um and so saying now now what is it what do we want it to be it can also be a mistake to make assumptions about like if you say that uh, sport x is a tends to be a white sport mm-hmm. Maybe it was created by somebody who was white. I don't know. But, you know, in that way, it it didn't start out as, hey, I think we're going to create this thing that's an exclusive club. Mm -hmm. I don't think. Yeah. But so I think one of the things to be careful of is creating accusations based on that. Mm -hmm. It may turn out that it started that way. So how do we undo what is in our head? I just want for our listeners, because... Many times I hear so-and-so, so we generalize cultures, we generalize um, different behaviors, you know, um, because something is in our head, we just generalize and immediately, as you said, heuristic um, biases, that it's a shortcut in our brain that immediately takes us there. It's the easiest and it's the shortcut. How do we undo that? Do we always want to undo it? It sounds like a controversial question, but here, let me give you this example. There are some stereotypes which t- people might carry in a good way. German engineering. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. it doesn't, it doesn't um, reduce your question. Mm-hmm. Well, and even, let's say, um, how do we be... Uh, so this, is, this, this was actually a good question you asked, because sometimes you want to be neutral, Right. Uh, but you want to be neutral, but there's so much uh, still instilled in your head, I would say, from childhood. Because when you're growing up, most of your life is in the hands of the caretakers, whatever they feed you. But then you become 18, 19. Now you're on your own. You go to college, you meet other people, you meet other, you know, different cultures, people from the different cultures. If you have been raised with those, we have all studied psychology and we know how much those uh, learning affected our life and, and it's in our head. How do we, for some people, if they're very careful with what they have learned and what they have seen, they start researching, they start finding out, they start talking to those people, getting to know them themselves rather than listening to what they have heard. But there's some people that they go the easy route. They just immediately shut their minds Mm -hmm. from changing and they move on with their life. But how do we really teach our children or teach our young adults to really question, to really think for themselves, to deeply understand the cultural differences in a good way or cultural similarities? in a good way because we are trying to teach them to come together we are trying to teach them you know don't do anything that they put us apart what are the commonalities that we can try to look at those to come together is this our wrap-up question no well i mean part of it thinking about it feels very rhetorical in that way but i mean i think it is one uh, first thought that comes to my mind is just even 
starting with uh, the idea of different racial identity uh, models and, and recognizing too where an individual is at with their own racial identity uh, because that's going to probably play into how they try to answer that question. Um, I, and maybe even a, a more simpler way of saying this is just even recognizing like who, uh, the way I phrase it in my mind is like, well, who says? Like we could say golf is a white sport. Well, who says? Mm-hmm. Who says it's a white sport? Like what does that mean? Like ask that question. What does that mean when things are are labeled in a certain way? Where is that coming from? Who's the authority on that? And I think that leads you to start to kind of question some of these things and say, you know, well, how true is that? And if that's not true or if that's not concrete in that way, then what else might not be true about that? And so it creates this exploration to some degree. I think also to keep in mind the idea that generally there are two sides to everything and to be open and curious about, well, what's the other side on this? Mm-hmm. And, and it's something like this is like, oh, really? Does, that means there are no other, no, no one playing that who is non-white, mm-hmm. which pretty quickly gets disproven. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I'm faced with people who know of one person from the entire culture and they make judgment about the entire culture. Yeah, gross generalization. Very. And, you know, even educated people, even people that they're in a position that there's a bunch of kids uh, in their hands to train, and, and you sometimes wonder, wow, you know, whether good or bad, one person cannot be the entire culture. This, hap- this happens. I saw it happen in myself. I can remember, this was probably like 15 years ago, driving on the freeway, and I had changed lanes, and it was not intentional. I thought there was enough room, and cut off a motorcyclist, mm-hmm. and boy, did he get angry, like so angry, and he began tracking me, and I like switched a couple lanes over, and he made very sure to track me and then he got in front of me and slowed down and then he made the sign like uh, shooting a pistol Mm. and then he kept tracking me it was pretty scary but what I noticed afterwards then I began this began this happened this wasn't intentional I began to not like motorcyclists Mm. and I could hear in my mind not good things being said in my mind about motorcyclists when I get on the freeway or looking at them in a in a bad way. So that was an interesting thing. And then another interesting thing happened shortly after that, after I noticed it, is I think this was when I still had the convertible and I was driving on the freeway and a motorcyclist came up and he looks at the car and he smiled big and gave me a real thumbs up. <laughs> and I was like, oh, wow. That was like a reversal of that stereotype. Mm-hmm. I think you have to be aware. We have to have an awareness. And there also has to be a desire mm-hmm. not to necessarily want to label groups in a bad way. Mm-hmm. So we have to watch labeling. This is really, really important. Yeah. And especially, I think, in this profession, we pay attention to even our own biases and we pay attention to so many little things that we face or we do ourselves, but we can uh, anticipate everybody know these things. But I realize that you pay more attention. You just see these things in other people even more so because of uh, this profession that we're in. With that, I want to say we are getting to the end of our program. If you guys have a short statement wrapping up, 
I know it was we started with golf, then we ended up with racial issues. We always <laughs> change gear. Yeah. So let's just wrap up our program. I'll, I'll jump in and say one, first and foremost, let's play golf, the three of us. Great idea. Out there. I like it. And then I'd encourage uh, listeners, you know, try try something that you think is stereotypically white or black or, you know, Latino mm-hmm. or whatever. Not you know. what you are. Yeah, not what you are, not what you think it is. And say, what what would it be like if I tried that? And sometimes, a lot of times, there's an easy way to try, you know, different sports, different activities. I always encourage listen to your body, you know, if you're not going to try to, you know, run a marathon, you know, right off the jump. But, uh, yeah, explore a little bit. See what it could be for you. I would echo something you said earlier, Alex, and that is, a thought just went out of my mind. That's him. <laughs> I have said that. Uh, that, that is I think that's I've what said. you said. It is what Alex said. Your, your thoughts are your own, Yes. Okay, and I really want to encourage our listeners to don't judge immediately when uh, they see a person or don't generalize uh, the uh, behavior you see from one person and then extend it to the whole um, nation from that culture, from that language. So with that, I want to say goodbye to our listeners and thank my colleagues, Dr. Rockers and Dr. Andrade. And we're going to talk next week again.
رادیو بامداد صدای ما و شما با زبانی آشنا